This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Christine Ross, in for Libby Snymer. Aging can sometimes bring isolation and loneliness. And as the population ages, police are seeing a rise in romance scams online as people try to make connections. We speak with an expert about this and other online scams that target Zoomers and how to protect against them. And we speak with the author of a new memoir about mental illness from the perspective inside a Canadian health facility. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. France plans to stop reimbursing patients who use homeopathic medicine. Close to 60% of people in France say they use these holistic medicines most commonly to relieve aches and pains and ward off colds. But now France's watchdog agency is recommending there is insufficient evidence that these meds provide anything other than placebo effects and recommends ending government reimbursements. Still with health news, the soaring cost of insulin in the U.S. has prompted some Americans with diabetes to head to Canada. A group travelled from Minneapolis to London, Ontario to buy the non-prescription drug at a fraction of the price. Insulin prices south of the border have skyrocketed in two decades, from about $16 a vial to $340 U.S. That's roughly 10 times the price in Canada. Some Canadian pharmacists are concerned, saying there's potential for disruption in our market. If I had a million dollars... The Millionaires Club in Canada is getting crowded. In fact, the number of millionaires will jump by more than half in the next five years at a rate faster than other developed countries like the United States. According to a new report from banking giant Credit Suisse, in just four years, the number of millionaires is expected to jump over half to two million Canadians. It's never too late to volunteer. 106-year-old Charles Carroll volunteers at a California hospital where his main responsibility is discharging patients in wheelchairs. He first started volunteering when he was 90 after suffering a heart attack. That's when he made a vow to doctors to volunteer at the hospital that saved his life. Administrators say he may be the oldest volunteer at their facility, but he's had the biggest impact. I have one and only one ambition for Chrysler, to be the best. That's Lee Iacocca, father of the Ford Mustang, who died this week at 94. The car industry legend created the iconic Ford Mustang and saved Chrysler from bankruptcy. He died at his home in Los Angeles from complications from Parkinson's disease. He's remembered for his appearances in Chrysler ads in the U.S., pointing at viewers and telling them, if you find a better car, buy it. Very interesting. What do you mean, very interesting? It was stupid. Comic actor Artie Johnson has died of heart failure at the age of 90 following a three-year battle with cancer. The Emmy Award-winning cast member on Rowan and Martin's Laugh-In is best remembered for playing Wolfgang, a cigarette-smoking German soldier. 
His other TV appearances include Bewitched, The Partridge Family, Lost in Space, and The Donna Reed Show. I'm Christine Ross in for Libby's Nimer, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. I was looking for love in all the wrong places. The internet can be the wrong place to look for love if you get caught in a romance scam, now among the biggest threats online for seniors looking for human connection. It ranks up there with the more reported on scams like the CRA, where an agent posing as an employee of Canada Revenue Agency demands money for unpaid taxes. Durham Regional Police Sergeant Deborah Anderton is an expert in these matters. I reached her by phone. We're getting reports on a weekly basis of people who have lost anywhere from uh, thousands of dollars up to their life savings. So for our demographic, the Zoomers, you know, as we age, some people become more isolated and lonely. So is this what they're doing? They're turning to the Internet, maybe not so much for physical, but an emotional connection? It doesn't have to be the people that are lonely. I think it can be people who are just wanting connection. I think as we age, if we find ourselves not in a relationship of any sort, uh, that we search for that connection. And in these days and times, online is the way where everybody seems to be meeting people. And so it's very easy uh, during an online uh, relationship to get pretty emotionally connected and become vulnerable uh, while you're typing. It's a lot easier than in person, I think. And so some of these relationships get very tight and connected very quickly, even though it's not real. So what happens if someone finds himself in this position and they realize they're in a bit too deep and maybe they're embarrassed? What's the first thing they should do to get out of it? Well, first of all, not to be embarrassed. They, you know, everybody needs to realize that these people that do this, they do it 24 hours a day. This is their full-time job and they're professionals. They know exactly what to say, how to say it, and which angles to take to make these people feel close to them. They open up, they're vulnerable. Usually, you know, they've had some major traumas in their life. You know, a spouse has died, they're single, their child has died. They had some big, like there's always an emotional piece to it that makes you feel connected to the person. So nobody should ever feel ashamed if they fall from one of these frauds. Well, let's talk about the financial losses. Um, Do you know cases where people have lost life savings? Yes, many cases. And their recourse is? Well, a lot of the time the money is uh, sent through wire and you can't get it back. It's not traceable. Yeah, most of the time, once it's gone, it's gone. Um, But it always starts slowly. Like they, it's usually uh, the person who uh, presents themselves to you is usually a very good looking person. Uh, Sometimes it's a government person, military, or a very professional business person. They have, uh, you know, wads of money, allegedly, and they want to share that with you. Then all of a sudden, there's like a major issue comes up, like uh, their grandchild uh, needs to have emergency surgery. They're in the States. Um, all of a sudden, their money gets tied up by the government and they need a certain amount to release that money. Or they just need, they've got this excellent business venture that is like, it's a foolproof method and they're going to make money on it. They just need this extra little bit of cash. And that's how they start. So you end up giving a small amount of money. And then once they've got you hooked into the small amount of money, then they start asking for more and more and more. And on the other leg of this is the continuing constant communication about how much they love you and you're perfect for them. And I can't wait for our life together. We had one lady who was delivered 
a diamond engagement ring. I'm sure it wasn't a diamond. <laughs> um, and they were going to get married. They'd had the, the date set and they still hadn't actually met in person. It's mind boggling, isn't it? But that's what our emotions do. In yeah. terms of bringing these fraudsters to justice, <laughs> what would the stats be on that? <laughs> You're laughing. I, I, no, I can't even answer that. I don't think we have, because most of these are overseas, it's very difficult for us to actually prosecute them. Um, and I couldn't, I can't actually give you the stats, Christine, unfortunately. Um, it's, it's that once money is wired and it's gone, it's very difficult to trace. And trying to prosecute somebody in another country is virtually impossible. Can we just take a moment now to talk about some of the other um, popular scams? I mean, the CRA one seems to have been around forever. People, <laughs> I would hope at this point, have caught on to that one. But what else is out there? Okay, the the other really popular one that I've seen a number of reports on lately uh, is like it's the emergency, we call it the emergency and or grandparent scam, where uh, our elderly population will get phone calls at like in the middle of the night or the early hours of the morning. And the person on the other end says, Grandpa, it's your favorite granddaughter. And of course, oftentimes when you're sleepy and not really paying attention, you'll say, oh, is that you, Cindy? Right? Mm-hmm. And... Then they go, yeah, it's me, Cindy. And then what happens is this granddaughter has been in a car accident. They're out of province or in the state somewhere. And there was a bad accident and they're being held for bail and they need money. So they ask to get the money wired. A few hours later, then it's a lawyer who's calling saying, I hate to break it to you, but that car accident was a lot more serious than what your granddaughter said. And there was actually a a child involved, and it's been hurt seriously, and there's going to be more money needed for bail. And then the next call is from either a police officer or another lawyer saying, I hate to break it to you, but the child died, and now bail has really gone through the roof, and you now need to send X amount of money in order for Cindy to get released on bail. That's an extraordinarily cruel scam. Yes. So we, we, we teach people that you know, if you get those odd, unusual phone calls uh, in the odd hours of the morning, ask questions to confirm who it is. Okay, well, Cindy, what's your parents' names? Um, where did you go to university? What's your dog's name? What kind of car do you drive? Anything that can just prove that it is who it is. Or hang up the phone and say, you know, I can't find my glasses. I can't write anything down. Can I call you back? Can you call me back in five minutes? And then make that phone call to another family member who will know where that person is, and that they're safe. Thank you for your time, Sergeant Deb Anderton. My pleasure. You're- I hope that somebody gets a little bit of information that keeps them a little bit safer. That was Sergeant Deborah Anderton, Durham Regional Police Senior Support Coordinator. It's a memoir of mental illness from a unique perspective. For 10 years, author Susan Doherty volunteered with severely schizophrenic and psychotic patients at Montreal's Douglas Institute. Libby Snymer talked with her about The Ghost Garden. Ten years ago when I was doing research for A Secret Music, my novel, I went to the Douglas Hospital in Verdun, which is a suburb of Montreal, to look to see the treatment options for mental illness in the 1930s. It's a psychiatric hospital. It was formerly called the Protestant Asylum for the Insane. A couple of weeks later, I was called to volunteer with a woman named Camilla. And I was told nothing about her circumstances. I was not given a diagnosis. I was just told that she lived on CPC3, which is chronic psychotic disorders. 
And I'm telling you, Libby, that relationship changed my life. She suffers from symptoms of schizophrenia, and we met every week until she died. And I think uh, so many things happened in my relationship with her that I began to write down the stories. Like one of the things was Camilla told me that she had a son, that she'd been raped when she was 21 years old, and his name was quite unusual. And I told her that together we might be able to find him, and we did. We found him in a small town in Ontario, and she was able to reconnect with her son after 40 years. And um, it was it was really an extraordinary experience, and I began to write down all of my volunteer experiences. I started with Camilla, and then I was given another man who really is symptomatic, very psychotic, and uh, we, I would pick him up at the Douglas and take him out for coffees on Thursdays, and he's the person who coined the title. And we would meet every Thursday. He was in a relationship with Jennifer Love Hewitt, uh, you and I would call that fictional, but one day he said to me that he'd met Jennifer Love Hewitt the night before, and um, I said, to, you know, wait, don't, don't tell me anything, wait till I get there. And um, we went to our little coffee shop on Notre Dame where no other people go because he doesn't like noise or confusion, and he leaned in, and when I asked him where they met, he said, we met in the ghost garden. It's where I meet all the souls of the people I love, and it was uh, really an invitation to the psychotic experience, to know that the psychosis is not just a dark and scary place of spiders and blood and hallucinations and delusions, but that psychosis can be protective. And it was a light bulb moment for me. I began to look past what the statement was to find the underlying feeling underneath. And then I was able to really connect with everybody. You describe a lot of these people look scary. They're unwashed. They're walking around with stained clothing, sometimes in pajamas. Tell me about that and how you got past that. Yeah, that, that, that was hard sometimes. It really was. And, you know, I, I was very sick for a couple of years, a few years back, and I worried about my own health. But, um, you know, the olfactory... You know, those nasal sensors, you get used to, you get past that. Like some of the group homes that I would go into or I would go into some of the rooms at the Douglas and, you know, they're, they take so many drugs that their, their bodies are literally decaying inside. The smell is just un, unbelievable. But, you know, I would just walk in and sit down and just not think about it. You talk about their loneliness. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. You know, it's tied up to self-worth. I mean, if you, if you're an invisible, if you're you're the, the invisible and you have people all around you, it's a loneliness that I've seen so many times. How many tears I have shed at the isolation, the marginalization, the stigmatization of people, and and I know it's hard to to love these people because they because they say and do things that that we don't understand. And they say and do things that, that make us afraid. And so our natural inclination is to walk away and, and, and then the loneliness just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and leads to harm to others. But really, it's harm to self. It's, you know, the suicide rates among the really truly marginalized are very high. The number of people that have attempted suicide is staggeringly high. What do you want to tell us about people who have schizophrenia? 
Well, I guess the, the first thing is that the patient really suffers, but so does the family who have stuck around to help their sibling or their mothers or cousin, whoever, whoever the relationship is. And, do you know, we, if, if you or I were having stroke symptoms or cardiac symptoms, you know, we, we would call a neighbor and, and we would get help immediately. But the symptoms of mental illness are, are, are underground still and, and it isn't right. And so this book is about awareness. It's about finding a human and human being. It's, it's that just because people have these unknowable symptoms, there's, there's a person underneath who, has, who needs to be loved and who wants to love you right back. Susan Doherty, thank you so much. Thank you, Libby. That was author Susan Doherty. The Ghost Garden is published by Random House Canada. And that brings us to the end of this edition of the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Christine Ross, in for Libby Zneimer. Thanks for joining me today. Be sure to come back next week to stay up to date with all things Zoomer worldwide. You've been listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, produced by MZ Media Limited. Executive producer, Moses Neimer. Produced by Christine Ross, Michelle Saunders, Paul Thomas, Faz Kazi, and Justin Eacock. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.